we are so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Um, I want to welcome you uh, and just say how glad we are to, to, to have you here and to, to be with us this morning. If you um, are our guest today, or even if you're not our guest, we invite you to take the tarot portion, portion of your bulletin and fill it out for us for a prayer request uh, sponsored Thank you so much 
Praise the Lord. It's good to see you on this Lord's Day. It's good to be in the Lord's house. It's never a bad thing to be with the people of God, to be gathered together in the Lord's house. To have the Word of God open, to have Jesus in front of us, to have His Word before us, to learn from His Word, and I uh, praise the Lord for what He is going to share with us today as we continue in our series, Face to Face. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. So if you would please, turn your Bibles there, I hope you have them with you. Ephesians chapter 1, and today we're going to be in verses 11 through 14 as we have read together. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start uh, making our way through and let the Lord help us, nourish us with what's here, but uh, also help us with the Holy Spirit to uh, understand, to hear, and to take away the depth of what's presented to us today. You know, it was funny, uh, we were filling in in the children's class this morning, and I asked one of our kiddos, I said, uh, can you tell me what we have learned today from the Bible? We opened up the Bible and we uh, talked about the scripture there where it says that Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciples there in, in Matthew, then you're going to take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. We played a little game of follow the leader. You know, we talked about that. You know, I'm good at, I, I'm really good with adults. I'm not as good with the kiddos. Okay, it's a real struggle for me. So when we got to the end of the lesson, I asked them. I said, so what did we learn from the word today? And one of our precious little ones made this remark, and I had to write it down, and I thought you might get a kick out of it, but it spoke to my heart, and we're going to see how far the Lord takes it. But precious Abby said so graciously that the lesson was so long I could hardly remember. <laughs> so... Uh, so I thought that you guys might get a kick out of that, you know, <clears throat> two, two individuals, I'm speaking to in particular, no, uh, I thought y'all might like that, so I, I, I want you to know that you're heard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then I leave it with the Lord, uh, I don't know what else to do with that, so let's pray. And after we do that, then let's let's get into the Word of God together here, all right? And we'll just start feeding. Now, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your truth. Thank you that we have an opportunity to gather in this place today at this designated time. Father, thank you for your Word and, and what's going to be presented here. Uh, Father, thank you for presenting it to me. In, in our time together in preparation for this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you will say exactly what you intend to say. And I pray, Lord, that you'll bring it forth the way you intend to bring it forth. 
I pray for the preaching of your word, but I also pray for the hearing of your word. And it's my prayer, Father, that as we leave here today that we know that we have spent time with you specifically in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'll convict our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will comfort us. I pray, Lord, that you will challenge us. But let it all be from your word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say together, Amen. Twice in this particular text we see a phrase. And the phrase is, to the praise of his glory. It says... In him, beginning in verse 11, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that, and we will talk about that here in just a moment, we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Twice we see in these short three verses, to the praise of God's glory. That's the emphasis here. To the praise of his glory, it's an end goal, if you will, in that regard. It begins with the words, in him. And we saw that in the letter that John wrote, in 1 John, we see that here in Ephesians, and we see it repeated elsewhere in the text, that everything begins in him. Everything begins in Christ, and those are very important words, okay, for us to understand as we get into the text today. That in Him, in Christ, we desire to be for the praise of His glory. And those are the proverbial bookends of where we are in this scripture today. That word chosen that is in the NIV, you may have something different that says that we have been made heirs, that we have an inheritance. You may see the words, we are a heritage. Uh, There are different variations of this, but that is what that word means. There are three things I want to share with you today that we can praise God for in this text. So let me back up for just a second before we get to that. The first thing that I want to share with you is praise God we are heirs. Praise God we are heirs. The second thing we're going to talk about is praise God we are included with Christ. And then thirdly, praise God we are marked with the Holy Spirit. Three reasons that we have to praise God unceasing, unhindered, three reasons that we have to praise the Lord today. Those things, those observations, if you will, 
right there in this text, ought to be so comforting for all of us today to know that we are heirs. Does that do your heart good to know that you have been made an heir? Does it do your heart good to know that you have been included with Christ? Does it do your heart good to know that you have been marked with a seal and that that seal is the Holy Spirit? It does my heart very good. So to begin with, we praise God that we are heirs. In Him we were also chosen or made heirs, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. We have an inheritance. We have something to look forward to in the form of an inheritance that surpasses anything that we could possibly imagine. The word there, klirao, is a word that has two components to it for us to understand its full meaning. One, it means to choose by lot. It means to choose by lots, to cast lots and therefore make a choice. And then secondly, to assign a portion to the lot that has been chosen. We can't leave out the word chosen from the meaning of the word. If you go back to the authorized version, if you go back to the revised version, if you go back to the 1599 Geneva, if you go back to any of those and you look at the meaning of what is being said here, that word inheritance, that word that is expounded on here that Paul uses, it's a very important word. It's only used once in that form in the entire New Testament. But has two components. And if we leave off the choosing and talk just about the portion that's been assigned, then we have left off part of the meaning of the word that is given. So there is a choosing by lot and a portion that has been assigned to those that have been chosen. Now, I want to point that out for you further. In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. In Him, we. You see the word we, and I want to share this with you because it really sets the framework of these verses to understand what Paul is getting across in his letter. In Him, we. The question is, who is we? In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, we see the word we again, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. So we, who is that? In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined, and in Him we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Who is the we? The we is not a general term for every believer. 
That is not the term. That is not who is being described here. The we that is being described, and then you're going to see it again, and you also. So you have we and you also. The we is not the you. The we is one group. The you is a different group. Why is this so important? Because it helps us to understand who's included in Christ when we get to verse 13. The we are the Jews. Okay? So, he says, we who were first, okay, to hope in Christ. What does the scripture say? First the Jew, and then who? And then who? The Gentile. First the Jew, and then the Gentile. So in understanding the context of what the Scripture is saying here, in Him, we, being in Him, the Jew, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything conformity to the purpose of His will, in order that we, the Jew, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. So that refers to the Jewish people. That refers to that group. In Him, we. We need to understand that to understand the you also. Because that's what makes the you also so exciting. How can you understand? I mean, how can you feel the excitement of you also if you don't know who the we were? If I confuse you yet. So in him we. In him we the Jew. And then he says right there, and he says, and you also, in verse 13, and you also were included in Christ. Because who was he speaking to in the community of, of Ephesus? Who was he talking to? He was talking to a crowd of Gentiles. So in him we, but Paul was not a native Gentile. Paul was the Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was a Pharisee. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee of the highest order. Right? He could relate. He knew he was an educated man in the, in the law, in the religion. The Pharisee, the Levitical law, the, all of those things. And here he says, and we, because he was included in that group, in him we were also chosen. We have been made heirs. And then he says in verse verse 13, and you also. So you also are now an heir. If you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have been made an heir to heavenly things. You have been made an heir. You have an inheritance, a heavenly, awesome, amazing, a wonderful inheritance directly from the Lord. An inheritance that will not spoil. An inheritance that will not ever fade. An inheritance that can never, ever be taken away. You have been made heir. Listen to what it says. In 1 Peter, chapter 1. If you want to turn there, I certainly welcome that. 1 Peter, if you want to make a note of it, write it down out in the margin, if you want to do that. But listen to what it says here in 1 Peter, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. 
It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish. It can never spoil. It can never fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh, praise God. If that doesn't get you excited, that right there, uh, that, that just gets me all kinds of worked up. Uh, to know that God has an inheritance for me, and there is nothing that can happen to that inheritance. We live in a world where we have great intentions for our kiddos, and we struggle all the time with what's going to happen in the world that we live in. Because there are circumstances beyond our control. And we don't know that what we desire for our children after, after we pass, we don't know how that's going to be affected by the daily workings out and the goings on of our lives and the things that happen around us. But the inheritance that God has for us is untouchable. The inheritance that God has for us, that we have been made heirs to, nothing can interfere with that. Nothing. A government cannot interfere with that. Local laws cannot interfere with that. Nothing, no demand, nothing can interfere with what I have waiting for me in heaven when I am going to be with my God forever. Nothing can interfere with the inheritance that awaits for me there, that is being kept not by me, but being kept by a holy God who has allocated it to me and protects it for me, who takes care of it, for me, it is a perfect inheritance. Isn't that good? Man, it's good to hear that from the Word of God. It's according to His will and it's part of His plan. Praise God, we're heirs. Secondly, praise God, we are included with Christ. And you also, so not just the Jew, but the Gentile, those who believe, listen to what he says, and you also were included in Christ when? When? Let's talk about this, because this is very important. You want to know why we focus so much on knowing the Word of God. You want to know why I am so passionate about the Scripture. When you go to our new website, which is up and live, and you can go to it after you leave church today, you will notice that every picture on that website, with the exception of, I think, the calendar page, has the Word in it. That's on purpose. Because I want people to know before they ever even come to this church that there is one thing you can expect to find there, and that's the Word of God. We are passionate about the Word. I pray that the reason you come here is because you want to know what the Word says, not what Joshua says. I want you to know what God has to say. 
And if you want to know what God has to say, we need to have the Bible open in front of us. When we talked today about following the leader with the kiddos, I was sitting there and I said, you know, Jesus, Jesus was with them. You know, he said, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And they had the beautiful opportunity to actually interact, the disciples did there in the text, with Christ and to see what that's like. But I was so blown away by our kids. Because I, I said, you know what, we don't have the luxury of having Jesus Christ breathing in human form right with us every day as we walk. I said, how do we, because as a leader, you know, or to follow the leader, what do we have to know? We've got to know, one, who the leader is. Two, we've got to keep our eyes on him so that we can do what he does. And if we don't have Jesus Christ in that way in front of us, then how do we keep Jesus in front of us so that we can follow him? And they actually, without any prompting, said, we need to read our Bible. Praise God. Because that's how you keep Jesus Christ in front of you. Right there. That's how you follow him. Right there. It's important. So whenever it says here in the text, whenever it says that we and you also, so now we are included in the we. We're all part of this group now that have believed in Jesus Christ. He says, and we were included if we believe when we heard the word of truth. That's why I get amped up when I see guys and hear guys in pulpits that are expounding on a whole lot of things other than the truth. Jesus Christ said in His prayer in John 17, as things were wrapping up in the upper room, He made a plea and He said, God, sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. How does the Christian grow? How is the Christian sanctified? How is the Christian, how does the Christian even become a Christian? By hearing the Word of God. That's why it's such a tragedy to hear guys focusing on, on political issues. Focusing on worldly human issues. That's why it's such a tragedy to see us getting all amped up over all those things related to the problems that people are having instead of focusing solely on the Word of God because none of that garbage can sanctify the believer. But we got people walking out of churches thinking they were sanctified when they weren't because they were motivated by something other than the Word of God. And it wasn't the Word of God that was expounded on. It was some other idea or some other popular conversation that needed to be spoken to or whatever struggle people are dealing with. You see the problem there. There is a difference. It is the word of truth that brings that salvation. People have to know it. They have to hear it. How does faith come? What does the word say in Romans chapter 10? How does faith come? Thank By hearing. And hearing comes by what? The Word of God. What do you see here? They heard the Word of Truth. And what did they do after they heard the Word of Truth? What did they do? They believed. They heard the Word of Truth and then they believed. 
So what does that say about people that claim they believe, but they never heard the truth beforehand? They heard something else. What does that say about their belief? I know these are, I mean, these are tough things to consider, but they're things that must be considered. That might be a contributor to why we have so much going on. I mean, you know, so many issues, so many problems. Whether it be church-related, whether it be the behaviors of people that call themselves Christians but are living lifestyles that are nowhere close to in line with the Word of God, and then people are wondering, "Yeah, I, I think I'll, I think I'll do without your God. I think I, 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 there's no power there." All of this connects in some way, form, or fashion, and we got to drill it down. And I believe when we drill it down, it all comes back to one thing: the Word of God. And it's either been kicked aside for the sake of some other thing, or it's what we open and it's what we trust and it becomes the life of the church. They heard the word. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, not a word. You heard the word of truth. And then, he, and then he elaborates on that further and he says, the gospel of your salvation. So just to make sure we're clear on the word you heard. The word you heard is the gospel of your salvation. The word you heard is the word of truth. Back for just a moment. Over to Romans chapter 10. I want you to mark this because I want you to see it in the scripture. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8 of Romans chapter 10. But what does it say? But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, that is what? The word of what? Of faith that we are proclaiming. That's the word. Go down to verse 14. And by the way, it says in between in verse 11, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. As the Scripture says. Well, how do you know what the Scripture says if we don't focus on the Scripture? How can the church tell a community, someone walks in the door, and it may be one of you that walked in here today that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how can I possibly give you anything to respond to if I don't lay forth before you the Word of God? If we want to give people an opportunity for the Lord to, to draw people, to bring salvation to the life of people, we must lay forth His Word. Verse 14, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How do they do that? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? So if you don't hear Him, then you can't know Him. 
Christ Logos is the Christ that we have. That's the Christ of the Word of God. That's John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Christ Logos, that is Jesus Christ in His Word. That is how we know Him and we follow Him. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Preaching what? What is preaching? Preaching is not getting up and just having a rant over some modern day issue that people are... Preaching is opening up the Word of God and telling people what the Word of God says and addressing not only the mind, not only engaging the mind of the believer or those that are sitting in front of that preaching, but also the conviction of the heart. And all of it done with the Word of God. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Paul said in his letter to Timothy, what did he say? Do you remember that? Preach the Word. And how can they preach? How can the preacher preach unless he's sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. My wife would argue about my feet. That's a spiritual, that's speaking figuratively, I promise. But you get the idea. That's how important the Word of God is. It says we are included, and how did that inclusion happen? It happened when you heard the Word of God. And then when you heard the Word of God, you believed. That's how that happened. Not because you were persuaded by anything other than the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit that came as the Word of God was given to you. As it was preached to you accurately and appropriately. The gospel of your salvation. And you believed. Before we get to the last point, I want you to look at everything. I want to give you a view of the sovereignty of God here in Ephesians 1. I made notes of this. I thought it was very interesting. Just looking at the chapter. In verse 4, he chose us. God did that. Okay? He chose us. In verse 5, he predestined us. God did that. All right? Verse 5 again, he adopted us. God did that. In verse 7, in him we have redemption. He redeemed us. God did that. In verse 7, he gave us forgiveness. He forgave us. God did that. In verse 8 and 9, he blessed us with wisdom. And understanding. God did that. In verse 11, he made us heirs. God did that. For the praise of his glory, in verse 12, God did that. He included us. God did that. 
He marked us with a seal in verse 13. God did that. To the praise of His glory in verse 14. God did that. What's your responsibility? What is your responsibility? What is it that you do? What is it that I did? It's right there. What did we do? We heard the word, and then what did we do? The word is not even, we heard it. But what did we do? Believed. Believed. God did all those things. And the one thing we do is believe. People need to hear all these things that God did. And when we learn all the things that God did, then we believe. And we're marked with a seal. And we're made heirs. We're good for all of eternity. Amen. That's a fact. That's the work of God in the life of the believer right there. We don't redeem ourselves. We do not adopt ourselves into a family that doesn't originate with us. We don't mark ourselves with a seal. We don't grab a hold of the Holy Spirit and then wipe our bodies with Him like we do a bottle of suntan lotion. Alright? God does it. God does all of it. We believe. Do you believe that God did all that? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God did those things right there in Ephesians? I'm not saying that we have a full understanding of how He did it. I'm saying, do you believe He did it? Then you're an heir. You're included. Hearing of the Word, they believed. And then lastly, praise God, we're marked with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised and guaranteed. Having believed, you are marked in Him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. Not any Holy Spirit, but God the Holy Spirit. The third of that divine trifecta. The Godhead. The person that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some sort of mist. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Just like Christ is a person. Just like God the Father is a person. He is a person. Who is a deposit. For what reason? Guaranteeing our inheritance. He guarantees our, in- our inheritance. His life in us is a guarantee of the inheritance that we have. The heritage that we are as the body of believers in Christ. Until the redemption, the full redemption that comes to pass when God takes unto Him His possession as is described in 1st or 2nd Thessalonians chapter 4. I believe it's 1st. Beginning in verse 13. 
And you got a beautiful picture there of that day when the trumpet call of God sounds. Right? When Jesus Christ returns and you have the greatest Christian assembly all throughout history that will take place in the enemy's own territory before we ascend into the heavens to be with God forever. The gathering of His possession, redemption coming to its full pass, and the rapture when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. In Him who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The redemption in terms of our salvation is complete. The redemption in terms of our presence with God for eternity is not. That happens when Jesus Christ returns. And that will be to the praise of His glory. It is our identity in Christ. It is our security in Christ. That's what this seal is all about. That's what a seal does. It identifies someone. It identifies them. It places a mark. It seals. It protects. Our identity is in Jesus Christ and in no one else and nothing else. That's the Christian. The mark of the Christian. The Holy Spirit. The seal that is on us. Guaranteeing. Promised. And it sets my identity straight. And it secures my place in Jesus Christ forever. Until that day of redemption. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask Miss Fair, if she would, to please come. I'm going to ask Brother Corey if he would come forward. We're going to have a time of... Invitation this morning, as the Lord sees fit. Here's a reality in light of what has been shared. Here are some possibilities. The possibility is is that you came here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a possibility. And if that's the case, you have no inheritance. If that's the case, you're not included with Christ. If that's the case, you have no help from the Holy Spirit. And why is that? Because He doesn't live in you. It is possible that you came here today and you, over the course of your life, have heard over and over and over again what it means to be saved. And it's possible at some point that you may have even been led through an emotional encounter of some sort, but never saw any fruit in your life to validate a decision that you thought you made. It's possible that you came in here today and it would be wrong of me and a disservice to you and not glorifying to our Father in Heaven if I just let you get off the hook and not put the reality right in front of you. And the reality is that there are people that have walked around thinking that they were headed to Heaven only to realize one day when the Word of God was opened and they heard something for the first time And they realized that what they thought all along was not even the case. 
I'm not here to try to instigate any kind of insecurity in your salvation. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you have the assurance of your salvation. But what I am saying is it's possible to come into a service thinking you did, only to realize that now you do. And it is worth an investigation in your heart every Sunday that you walk into this church. It is worth an investigation by the Holy Spirit in your heart every single time the Word of God is open and the power of God is unleashed so that you, then with the help of the Holy Spirit, can make that choice to believe for the first time in your life. So many times we talk about how precious we gotta, we gotta get in. I mean, I, you know, you know what I get? I, I get this once a week with you. That's all. That's all. If I had my way, I would get this with you every day. If I had my way, I would prepare a sermon and I would have a service tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and I would do it again the next day and the next day and the next day for whatever handful of people showed up to church and I would preach every day of the week. I get one day. I get one opportunity in this busy world with all the things we have going on. I get one chance. And you know what I do? I come in here and I make full use of that chance. I use every bit of the time I have. And sometimes I go, I go over the time that I have. And I know that. But it's because I'm so passionate. This is all I get. This is all I get. And it's just worth it to me. I laugh and I say, you know, we joke around and I say I could keep you here all day. And the reality is, I could keep you here all day. I could. Because I get that excited about preaching the Word of God. And I want you to know the Word of God. And I want you to know that you know the Word of God. I, to me, I mean, this is no, I mean, this is like, I mean, when you open the pages, it's like, boom! And I just want that to be for you all the time. All the time. I invite you to come and pray. Come come, and let's have a conversation if you're struggling in that way today. And it's okay if you're not. That's great. If we all walk out of here and we all have that assurance, praise the Lord for that. And you know what? Let's take the next couple of minutes and let's thank the Lord for the assurance of our salvation. Let's thank the Lord for saving us. When we didn't deserve it. Let's thank the Lord for all that list of things in Ephesians chapter 1 that led up to my opportunity to believe. Let's, let's praise Him for all that. Let's take a couple of minutes and do that then. Alright? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for Your Word. I pray, God, that You'll just be with us for the designated time, Father, that You have provided. And Father, that You'll go with us from this service and And Father, just live in us richly. Grow your word in us richly. Richly. Give us a a craving for the Bible. To know what it says. Father, engage our mind and, and but convict our hearts with it. Wield it, Father, with the help of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. Wield it. 
Use it to sanctify us, Father. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.